Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. Two of our broadcast over on the text line. This person responding to Joe Biden in the previous hour was going to make it a law. The kids are allowed to mutilate themselves because they're adult enough to make those decisions. But we're also going to make laws saying... You can't be charged with murder until you turn 26 because your brain isn't fully developed and you aren't responsible for your actions. <laughs> Doesn't make sense, does it? Just absolutely crazy. Vince, what Biden did was embody the Antichrist. Pretty much, it's the Antichrist spirit. It is. But he's not the only one. Vince, in the midst of the disaster Biden has turned this country into, he fill, he still finds the time to pander. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Where can I get the article stating Biden is for children changing their sexes? It's an argument that I'm going to have with some of my church members. Oh, boy. That ought to be fun. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I will try. I need to find the source for that story again. And uh, actually, Bernie and Chris, please remind me of that during the break so that I will make that available on our Facebook pages for those of you who are interested in sharing that content. That is a story in the Hill, by the way, in case you want to go and look for that now. This quick reminder. On Friday, that'll be the last day. Uh, let me first say, let me tell you the important thing first. The Vince Coakley radio program will continue to air with no change. Beginning on Monday, it's going to be the same as usual. We're going to continue broadcast excellence right here. But those of you listening on 106 WORD, Friday will be the last broadcast on that station. If you're interested in following your host, I would suggest you connect with at Vince Coakley on Twitter. That's C-O-A-K-L-E-Y. Or the Vince Coakley fan page. That is the profile with the microphone. And you can continue to follow what we are doing here. Let me share with you a couple of very interesting things and this is really important i think one of the things i found 
and, and this is something I identified in my own life. It can be a powerful motivator, but it's not necessarily healthy. Have you ever been driven by a need to be needed? And on one hand, you know, it's great to do kind things and to care for people. On the other hand, sometimes you got to turn that off. Steve Crosby has a great post on this. I've noticed over the years, it's very common for people who come from very broken circumstances, either individually or relationally, to pursue careers in counseling or social services in the areas of their personal pain to help others. They want to redeem their pain. This is very normal and understandable human response. Those who decide to go into Christian ministry as the vehicle to help others with the expectation of being valued and appreciated for doing as a deep ego need are going to experience more pain and disillusionment. There is the danger you run into. If you're looking to get something out of this, don't do it. We want to be valued and esteemed. The root of our pain derives from this lack, and we think ministry will help relieve the pain because I will help others, and they will be so thankful for the help. <laughs> yeah. Welcome to Fantasy Island. <laughs> this mis misguided and naive expectation has direct bearing on the terrible statistics of pastoral burnout, family breakdown, and divorce within Christian communities. This is because at a fundamental level, the feeble Western gospel message is designed to feed the ego. Just accept Jesus into your heart, obey his commands, and everything is going to be yours and heaven too. Jesus is going to fix everything for you. This is, of course, not true. But when it's bought, it guarantees eventual disillusionment. It's not sustainable. Real life sees to that. Nowhere in the scriptures are we promised the faithful representation of Jesus is going to cause us to be liked and appreciated. Our modern social culture and economy literally runs on the fuel of being liked. In church world, it looks like this. Give us what we want to hear. We'll give you the ego validation you're looking for. This inevitably happens consciously or unconsciously. This sustains the lie with a surface appearance of success. Remember the one who was truly for all? was hated by the all he was for. It's a line from Michael Harden, great line. If someone thinks they have a calling, that calling better be cruciform in inception and expression. For those of you who don't understand, cruciform means that there's a death that comes about in your heart to things of the flesh. In other words, you're saying, I'm putting ego aside. I'm, I don't care if there's any return on my love and care for people. That's what has to die. The desire for a return. And if you don't have this, it's going to help no one. Rather, that person will just personally experience and distribute more human pain, leading to more disillusionment. I hope that's helpful. I think the big word that I can tell you I have learned to discard is expectation. Expectation. That makes all the difference in the world. Remove it. If I can love and care and don't think about a return, being loved back, 
that's the healthy place to be. Quickly, I want to get to the story. UK Daily Mail, Pope Francis calls Catholic Church's ban on priests having sex. Boy, this is quite revealing, isn't it? Opening the door to review of a thousand-year-old celibacy rules. That alone ought to tell us something. So Pope Francis hinted priests may not have to be celibate in the future. This comes after growing calls to drop the rule that was introduced in the 11th century. There's another red flag. Why would you introduce this in the 11th century? This has nothing to do with Jesus. He never advocated celibacy. Now, some would say he lived celibacy. But there was never a command. So the Catholic Church is open to reviewing this thousand-year-old practice. It was made a requirement by the Catholic Church in the 11th century for financial reasons, as clergy without children were more likely to leave their wealth to the church. Boy, that's interesting. Wouldn't this be revolutionary if in our generation, the celibacy, mandatory celibacy, is dropped? This would be explosive. Much more as we continue the broadcast. Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcasts. You'll be glad you did. We have this from Jeff, who I had a great time with over, uh, was it breakfast or lunch? I think it was breakfast a couple of weeks ago. Jeff said this, what you said in your first segment really resonated. When my church split up 17 years ago, there were some people my pastor was there for who wanted him gone. There's so many stories I could have told you about the church when we met. People need to find fulfillment in doing stuff for people that cannot give you anything in return. I think we all should strive for that. Jeff, Jeff, Jeff. Yes, absolutely. This prevents so much heartache as we remove expectation from this. In the first hour, we had a conversation about what's going on with the banking situation. I told you a developing story. 
about Moody's, which has cut the outlook on U.S. banking to negative, citing a rapidly deteriorating operating environment. Now, the piece I shared in the first hour was something communicated by John Tamney, and he is a person who very much believes that someone has unnecessarily hit the panic button. John Tamney is editor of Real Clear Markets, vice president of FreedomWorks, and a senior fellow at the Market Institute. Join us back on the broadcast. Welcome back, John Tamney. Good to talk with you again, sir. Hey, Vince. Thanks for having me on. Well, I first want to ask this question. It, it sounds to me like, uh, if I can cut to the chase here, you believe that this panic was created by one simple act. Yeah, it, it's hard to not wonder if Peter Thiel hadn't told his portfolio companies, uh, get all your money out of uh, SBB, if this wouldn't have happened. Uh SBB, people can say a lot of things, but it wasn't taking any major risks, really. It had uh, basically lots of treasuries for the most part. That was the dominant part of its portfolio. And we can have we can obviously have discussions about government spending, but what's backed by the U.S. taxpayer is, is very reliable. And so it makes you wonder why there was a run on the bank. Does this make sense at all, too, to hear this new development with Moody's cutting the outlook on U.S. banking? Uh, is there is there a reason for this? Um, again, it, it's hard to discern how you could get from a very conservative bank balance sheet to where the bank was bank failed, and and I don't understand why the Feds felt the need to take it over. It strikes me that what you do in this instance is it's a great franchise. Let's be clear: it's the 16th largest bank in the United States. Um, if you allow market forces to have their way, it probably becomes cheap and becomes a bank that a J.P. Morgan or a city or you name the bank wants to buy so that they can get access to a really good client list in short order and on the cheap. And they would get access to it by making the, the, the customers of the bank whole. I don't see the need for government in this. Yeah, this uh, it looks to me like, and, and I'm... I'm trying to avoid going down a conspiratorial road here, uh, but do you think that we are seeing in the government a spirit of opportunism here for some type of intervention? Well, it's a great question, and there's that old saying that war is the health of the state. Um, I've always added a corollary to that that, quote, economic crises are the state's oxygen as in they live for reasons to do something. Uh, bureaucracies, what are they but, but entities in search of a purpose? And so here was a chance for the FDIC to step in and shut a bank down. Well, what if you don't shut it down? I think the, the banking system and markets are healthier if you don't shut it down and basically allow people to sweat a bit. Uh, some had huge, huge holdings at SBB. Okay, well, someone was going to buy it. The bank wasn't going to disappear. And so it maybe teaches people a lesson to keep their funds uh, in a variety of different places. It maybe forces them to be more careful about, about where, where they keep large amounts of money. In this case, what, what did we learn from it? We learned that it doesn't matter where you have money because if a bank gets into trouble, 
uh, government's going to step in and make you whole. Well, how does that make markets work? It's a very good question here, and and this is one of the concerns I think a number of people have raised. You've got this $250,000 cap on guaranteed protection, and now you don't have this $250,000 cap. What kind of message does this send? Well, it sends a message that the $250,000 cap is utterly meaningless, that if the bank is large enough or if it has important enough clients, that the government, federal government will step in and make everyone whole. And it's unfortunate simply because let's imagine if, the, if, the, 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 if there were no cap. Let's imagine if there was no FDIC. Well, so what would you do when you opened up a bank account at, at let's just say, SVB? You'd get a call right away from an insurer and say, well, you know, SVB doesn't take a lot of risks. We can insure your account for 50 cents a month, quite literally, probably something like that. But if you choose a bank that tends to take a lot of risks, okay, to keep an account here, it's going to cost you triple what it would cost you at SVB to have an account. As in, let's put market forces to work here. Uh, bank accounts would be easy to insure simply because banks can't take big risks. They quite simply cannot and do not. SVB certainly wasn't taking big risks. It owned treasuries for the most part. And so get the FDIC out of it and just allow uh, market actors to insure bank accounts. You know, this I've never heard anybody suggest this idea, John Tamney. It, it blows my mind that it, that this is another example of how the government has put its tentacles in just about everything to tamper with the free market system to the point where we really don't have a genuine free market system. Yeah, well, and banks are a shining example of that. Uh, People are trying to say that this was a regulatory failure. What could be more regulated than the U.S. banking system? Uh, Treasury oversees it, the Fed oversees it, the comptroller of the currency. There's all sorts of state regulators and state examiners. Uh, the problem is that there aren't enough markets in this space, and it would be so easy simply because people want to know that their money is safe, and because they want to know their money is safe, they would eagerly pay for insurance on the, account, on the savings account they would open at said bank. The beauty of it being a market-driven uh, insurance system rather than the government-driven insurance system is that if banks started to take big risks with depositors' funds, the cost of insurance would go up. As in, insurers would say, hey, wait a second, if you're going to do this, you're going to have to pay us more for us to insure your, your deposits. And so there's a very easy way for markets to step in here. We just haven't used it. We're relying on the government here. All right. Another uh, brilliant idea and suggestion, as always. Uh, I just love uh, great thinkers with innovative ideas. John Tamney, thanks a lot for joining us on the broadcast this morning. Look forward to catching up with you again very soon, sir. Excellent. Well, thanks for having me on, Vince. Appreciate it.
And I did promise we still have another item for Transformation Tuesday. We will get to, um, I will mention, for full disclosure, our friend John Tamney had an unexpected emergency arise this morning. So he was going to join us in the first hour and had to join us in this hour. So we've had to shuffle a few things around, and uh, that is the reason why things are a little bit different than planned. But that's what we do here. We are ready for anything and everything. Important story we've been talking about in the state of South Carolina. And this gets to the heart of everything we've been talking about during this broadcast. Do we really believe in free market capitalism? Or do we embrace crony capitalism? It's a really good question to ask about this deal that's been worked out between the state of South Carolina and Scout Motors and Volkswagen. $1.3 billion deal. One person who's wrote a really good piece on this for Fitz News is our good friend, Diane Hardy, who is very concerned about not only what's happened, but the ridiculous pace by which it has happened. And Diane Hardy from the, the um, I, I, from the very beginning, I can tell you, has been such, such a helpful resource on all of these subjects related to South Carolina and trying to bring about conservative leadership for the state of South Carolina. She is now the executive director of the Mom and Pop Alliance of South Carolina. Good morning. Welcome back, Diane. Good to have you with us. Yes, good morning, Vince. Thanks so much for having me on today. Well, first off, what's the problem with this deal? You know, it looks like everybody's coming together and thinks this is so wonderful. Republicans have, you know, are approving of this. Uh, what's wrong with it? Well, there are a lot of things wrong with it. The problem is we haven't been given any time to voice those concerns that we have. Um, over 100 uh, state reps voted for it yesterday. Now it's on to the Senate. So we're working furiously. In fact, I'm working on a second article um, raising even other issues that I don't think the legislators or even the constituents, constituents, most of them don't even know this is happening. And if they do, they haven't really had time to fully digest it or reach out to their legislator. But the, the concerns are many. Um, they, Volkswagen, you know, they have a history of fraud. And they have on their website about um, their, how strong they are about ESGs. And they will have to be strong on ESGs for, you know, for your audience that doesn't know what those are. That's kind of like a woke score. The more woke a company is, the higher their ESG score. And so they are all in on that. And they kind of have to be because as a European com company, it's mandated by law. So there's that. They um, boast about their ties to China and how they will continue to have very strong ties with China on their website. Um, they also are producing a product that I'm not sure there's a lot of demand for. These EVs will not even roll out until the end of 2026. And sales are slumping of EVs right now for a variety of reasons. They're having trouble getting components. We have concerns about how, you know, how the raw minerals are mined. And um, they're too expensive, and we're not even sure how well they work. And fires and all kinds of problems with EVs. But needless to say, that's the product, um, you know, that's really the Build Back Better plan. That's what they would like to see. So that's the direction we're going. 
And it's pretty unfortunate to hear one of the concerns you have about this is not just the content of the legislation, but the timing of this. Uh, do you think these legislators have really read what's in this and understand what the implications are? No, they have so much coming through them so so fast, and all they're hearing is the 4,000 jobs this could may create and the 200,000 vehicles they might hopefully produce. Um, they're just hearing mostly the upside, and they haven't had any time to fully digest this with everything else they have going on. Um, they're hearing a really rosy picture, and I, you know, we acknowledge that that picture may come to fruition. I don't know. Um, but this is a foreign company with strong ties to China. They also did a, I mean, they got kind of slammed for this, but they did a, a drag queen show in Chattanooga at a luncheon that was supposed to highlight women. Um, so, you know, we are bringing a different, you know, a foreign company in using American tax dollars, you know, using U.S. state funds, and uh, just like to have a little more time to debate and discuss it. You know, it's interesting, uh, these discussions we have so many times, uh, you would think, especially when you're you're talking about a, a legend, an allegedly red state like South Carolina, there would be a lot more of a conservative bent, and apparently that's not the case here. No, unfortunately isn't. This was first proposed um, on March 3rd. That's when we heard, you know, I went to the speaker's luncheon where he talked about all the agenda for the upcoming session, and this was never mentioned. Um, and so this, they were alerted of it by March 3rd. By March 10th, they were already on their third reading, and then yesterday it passed in a special session, oh not even goodness. a session on Monday. So there's a, a real uh, plan to get this through very quickly. And all we're asking for is you know, some time for debate, discussion. This is a really big deal with long permanent implications for our state. And maybe in the end, they'll decide that it still that, that the benefits outweigh the risk. But I would like to at least have that time to have that discussion and have constituents made aware. Now, if I understand correctly, this still has to pass the Senate. Is there any possibility that they might put the brakes on this thing? I don't know. We've been on the phone lines talking with various senators. I will say there are some on board that I was surprised. I did not think they would be. Um, but there are some that are starting to question it. Um, but so it's been all over. I was alerted to this. The, the way I knew about it is a senator reached out to me and said, can you please help? We need the mom and pop alliance help on this because he, he had concerns and he wanted me to do some research and dig into it deeper. I wasn't, it was not, you know, I did, that's the first I heard of it. And so the, it, it, it is onto the Senate, but I know they're going to move it fast. So it's important for people to reach out to their senator. First, do your own research. I mean, we're not telling people what to think or how to think. But just, you know, con you know, consider reading the article in Fitz News. It's called, Is This uh, South Carolina Solyndra? And that's a Fitz News from March 11th. And do your own research. And, um, you know, if you have concerns after you are informed, then reach out to your senator. Now is the time to do it um, because yeah. the vote is going to be coming up very soon on this. As always, Diane Hardy, we so appreciate all of your hard work on this and uh, hope there will be some sort of awakening on this, uh, at least to make an intelligent, informed decision one way or the other. Uh, thanks for coming on this morning. Your um, listeners would consider joining us at org. Excellent. Brilliant idea. Very important organization. Thanks again, Diane, and we'll talk with you again soon.
Okay, thank you for having me on. Bye-bye. Final stretch of Vince Coakley radio program on this Tuesday. And I promised one more Transformation Tuesday item. I was very straightforward with you about the fact I did not watch the Oscars. I just do not watch these shows. I don't have the stomach for it. No stomach whatsoever. But you know what? Just like so many things, there are moments, great moments in some of these shows including the one that you're about ready to hear. You know, so many of these folks in Hollywood, they're frankly hostile to America and American values. Their programming certainly makes that very clear, and many of them on their social media make it clear where they stand. But you're about to hear from someone who gets it, at least the most important thing, the fact that America is a refuge, a place to find freedom, enough that would cause people to risk their lives to get here. Case in point, one Ki We Kwan. This is also a comeback story. Associated Press reports he mostly disappeared from Hollywood for over two decades dispirited by the lack of on-camera work for Asian Americans. He returned in a big way, winning the Supporting Actor Oscar to cap an inspiring comeback story. Naquan accepted the trophy Sunday night for the role in Everything, Everywhere, All at Once, becoming just the second Asian winner ever in the Supporting Actor category. As his name was announced, Kwan rose and hugged co-stars Michelle Yao, Jamie Lee Curtis, who won Supporting Actress honors after him. Now you will hear what he had to say once he reached the stage. Here is Ki Wee Kwan. My mom is 84 years old, and she's at home watching. Mom, I just won an Oscar. My journey started on a boat. I spent a year in a refugee camp. And somehow, I ended up here on Hollywood's biggest stage. They say stories like this only happen in the movies. I cannot believe it's happening to me. This, this is the American dream. This is the American dream. Isn't that a wonderful story? What a blessing. Let's go to the day in history. We have a total of nine items for you. How are you doing today, Chris? Doing well, thank you. Very, very good. We'll jump right in. 1776, Alexander Hamilton 
named captain of a New York artillery company. 1899, this guy, his name is Ferdinand von Zeppelin. He got a patent for something he was able to navigate in the air. What was it? The blimp. Oh, we'll give this to you. It was a balloon. A balloon. The Zeppelin is what it was called. 1899. 1900. The U.S. currency went on this standard. It's not on this anymore. What was it in 1900? It wasn't the gold standard in 1900? It was as of 1900, but we've since ditched it. Isn't that wonderful? Very good. Brilliant move. 1923, obviously, I'm being facetious. President Harding became the first president to do this in 1923. It's a mode of travel that was relatively new. I'll guess drive a car. Actually, it was flying. He was the first president to take to the skies. Yeah, 1923 would have been a little late for the president to just then be driving a car. That's a little, I mean, when you think about it, can you imagine how scary that would be to think, what if something happens to the president with this relatively new thing that we're doing well gratefully back then they went about negative two miles an hour (laughs) exactly not very fast 1947 the u.s signed a 100 year lease on naval bases in the philippines 1950 the fbi debuted this list that has become quite famous america's top (laughs) ten <laughs> no. It's the most, most wanted, wanted list. list yeah. yeah, you're absolutely right. They said I'd never make it. Yeah, but 19... there I am, Mom. <laughs> Not the list anybody wants to be on. 1958, this guy got his first gold record with Catch a Falling Star. Do you know that song? I don't. I uh, don't. It's but... Perry Como. Yeah, that's back my parents generation well that might have been my guess as to who it was even though i haven't heard the song it would have been perry como or pat boone yeah i guess one or the other and two final items 1964 a dallas jury found jack ruby guilty of killing jfk assassin lee harvey oswald in 2020 that notorious announcement in spain of a covid lockdown boy the madness was beginning back then Our madness for today is over with. Thanks a lot for joining us. Baseball is in full swing. NBA playoffs are heating up. And your NFL team is gearing up for training camp. Listen to the latest on the teams you love here on the Odyssey app. The biggest sports radio stations in the country providing unrivaled local coverage of their teams all in one place. Exclusive interviews with players, coaches, and team executives streaming live and always available on demand. Stay in the know with your favorite teams right here on the Odyssey app. 